before I begin, I want to go ahead and uh, make an announcement. Uh, it's been in the bulletin for a little while, uh, but I want to make sure that um, that all of our uh, teens and all of our kids and, of course, all of our families and really anyone else that is interested in any way, um, I want you to know that this evening... Uh, we will be having our first family devotional for 2019. Uh, it is going to actually be taking place um, at uh, mine and Caden's house. Um, if you need directions, it's there. It's right there. Uh, but we are very excited. We, uh, of course, haven't had the opportunity to get to host one of these before, and, uh, and so we're very excited to get to do that. Um, we're going to, like we normally do, we'll have a devotional. Uh, we will also have dinner. Um, we've got a few other fun surprises that we've got in store for everyone that is going to attend. Um, if you're going to be late, not a problem. Come on over late. If you've only got a few minutes to hang out with us, um, then go ahead and um, just come over for a few minutes. At least come see how much time we spent cleaning our house. Um, so you can tell us, good job, clean house, and, uh, and uh, we can at least have you there for a few minutes. Uh, but just want to remind you of that and let you know that we would love to have you there with us. I want to start off by uh, telling you about my second grade teacher. Uh, my second grade teacher... Her name was Miss Farmer, and she was one of my favorite teachers that I ever had. Uh, she was always, in, in my mind, uh, every time we went into class, I knew it was going to be a lot of fun. Uh, she was always just so funny and was always joking with us and always just making sure that we were having a good time while we were there. And so I loved second grade. And one of the days that we came into to class, for some reason we had like a theme day. Um, I don't know what the reason was specifically, but the theme for the day was a Western day. And so we were told to kind of, you know, dress up like you're from the, from the West, from the Wild West, and, you know, come in with your cowboy hat and your bandana and all that kind of stuff and, and make sure you wear those. And we're going to do all these different activities throughout the day to, to kind of celebrate that and just uh, have fun with that theme. And one of the things that we were going to do is uh, Miss Farmer decided that she was going to make us uh, some chili and I guess at that point, I don't think I'd ever had chili before. Uh, so I'm in, so at second grade, and all of all of us kids come in, and we're having this fun day of all this Western themed stuff, and playing these different games, and learning a lot of different stuff that kind of goes around this theme. And so then it becomes time for us to have this chili. And I remember. Uh, kind of being skeptical about chili. Um, I just, I wasn't sure about it. You know, if you look at it and you haven't had it before, it's just a lot of brown. So you're kind of a little bit concerned about it. You're not really sure, like, maybe this is going to be good, maybe not. And so I was a little worried about it. You know, when I was younger, I was a little bit pickier of an eater. And, of course, several of my classmates were as well. And so... 
it's time for the chili. And I remember one at a time, different kids would go up to our teacher and say, uh, I, don't, I don't want any. I don't, don't give me any of that chili. And they'd go back to their seat. And, of course, you could tell that it was starting to get to our teacher. And so finally, I didn't want to be one of the few that was being forced to eat the chili. So I knew, all right, I've got to get up there and I've got to say this to her, you know, while I can. And so I remember this very vividly. Uh, she is kind of has her back turned to the whole class and she's working on getting this chili poured out into the bowls and she's not looking behind her. And... I remember saying, okay, I've got it. I've got to tell her. So I get up and I slowly and very quietly make my way over to where she is. And as quietly as I can, I just say, Miss Farmer, I don't think I want any of your chili. And as soon as I say that, she throws the spoon and just loses it. And we were all in, in complete shock because she's always been just the, the nicest and the funniest and I think we just pushed her a little bit too far. And so she, she kind of blew up for a second. She walked out of the classroom, but she came right back and everything was okay. She did also pour everyone a bowl of chili and made everyone at least try it. And that day I did learn that I like chili. So that was a very productive day overall. But I remember that and it really stuck in my mind, that idea of, you know, just thinking back and saying, Connor, why didn't you just not say anything at all? Because if, if you wouldn't have said anything, that blow up wouldn't have taken place. And also, you would have been in the same situation. You would have had that bowl of chili in front of you. You would have tried it. You would have found out that you liked it. And then everything would have worked out fine. I think there's a lot of times when we look throughout our life, we can kind of look back to those instances where something took place and we realize you know what, the right thing or the better thing for me to do would have been to not say anything. Would have been to, to not uh, say something where I should have been inserting my foot into my mouth instead. To go through all those situations where we look back and we say, I really think the best thing for me to do was to be silent. If you will, turn with me to Joshua chapter 6. Joshua chapter 6. This is a story that uh, that you may know that we see in the Bible. And this is one that, that I've always loved growing up. I always loved getting to see any kind of illustration about this. I remember watching the, the VeggieTales episode about this uh, time and time again. Uh, I remember uh, watching some, uh, some older kids back in elementary school do a play about this, and I, I just loved it. This story has always been uh, a very, uh, very interesting idea to me, and I've, I've always loved to get to read through it. And so uh, I'm going to explain kind of what's taking place here. We see the people of Israel, and the people of Israel are being led by Joshua. And at this time, they are going through the land of Canaan, and specifically, right where we pick up, they're in an area called Gilgal, and just, uh, just north of uh, they're, they're just north of a city or a place that is called Jericho. So they're in this place, Gilgal, which is a very short distance away from, from Jericho. And, uh, and they actually 
find out, we learn a little bit about Jericho and, and what it is, and we, we learn that because Israel is nearby the city, is so close to the city, Jericho has decided to close its doors completely. Now, Jericho also has some pretty significant walls that surround the city. Uh, and in fact, we learn that both through scripture and we also learn through um, some archaeological discovery that there was a very thick wall and a pretty high wall that completely surrounded Jericho. And because Israel was right next to Jericho, they had shut the gates and nobody in Jericho was going out. Nobody outside of Jericho was coming in. And so Jericho was, was nearby and it kind of closed themselves off. And we actually learned that the Lord comes to Joshua and he says, I am going to give you this city. I'm going to give you Jericho. You're going to receive this place. And so after that, he then says, this is how you're going to do it. And so beginning in, uh, in verse 3 of Joshua chapter 6, uh, we learn exactly how this city is going to be given to, to Joshua and to the Israelites. The Lord says, you shall, you shall march around the city, all the men of war going around the city once. Thus shall you do for six days. Seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. On the seventh day, you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. And when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, when you hear the sound of the trumpet, then all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city will fall down flat, and the people shall go up, everyone straight before him. So, God gives Joshua the, this full game plan. And he says, all right, so this is what's going to happen. In order to, to get this city, it's going to take you seven days. Now, the first, the first six days, days one through six, what you're going to do is you are going to walk around the walls of the city one time. Now, we also learned that uh, when he's talking about the people that are to, to walk around it, it is those that are gathered for war. And we actually learn a couple chapters earlier in Joshua chapter 4 that there's about 40,000 men that are specifically for war. So these men specifically, and then also the priests that are selected for this as well, they are going to uh, gather together and they are going to walk one time all the way around this wall. Once they've done that, they will go back to their camp. The next day, they will get back out. They will do it again. And for six days, that is what is going to happen. We also see that uh, the priests are going to be holding the ark. And an additional seven will have ram's horns uh, for their trumpets in order to, to blow at the correct time. And so they walk around the city, return to the camp, walk around the city, and, and so on. So after these six days, on the seventh day, they are then told, you're going to walk around the city seven times. So what they had previously done, they'll do the same thing, except this time, you're going to go around and around and around, and you're going to do that seven times. Times. And after those seven times, we're going to blow the trumpet, which means yell. Everybody yell when you hear the trumpet. And then we win. And the city will be destroyed. And we did it. And, and that's what they were told was going to happen. And as we hear the details of this, 
Uh, a lot of times we, we kind of think through and we think, well, how big was that city? How long did it take them to walk all the way around? This must have been a really, really long walk that they had to take. And uh, I'll be honest, it wasn't actually that bad for them. Uh, the walls of Jericho, uh, based off of archaeological findings and kind of you know, measuring that out and, and figuring out exactly what the size was going to be, the circumference of that wall was said to have been about four-tenths of a mile. So, let me kind of uh, make that a little more practical for you because that doesn't necessarily help. Uh, if you were to walk very slow, let's say you walked a mile an hour, all right, and you went uh, and you kind of went and you had, you know, they had all this armor, they had the ark that they had to carry with them. Maybe there were some rocks in the way, the terrain wasn't great, um, and maybe they even had to walk a little bit further away from the wall. If they walked just a mile an hour around this circumference of the wall, it'd take them about 24 minutes. So not, not terrible. If you're going to war against an entire city, this is not a bad option. If your option is you have to walk around this wall for 25 minutes, I think it would be okay. I think, I think you'd make it. Um, and of course, for the seventh day, take them a little over two hours to, to walk all the way around. And uh, again, maybe, maybe some of these things were uncomfortable to hold, to walk with. Um, a lot of these men were armored. Um, and so, uh, it, it sounds overall like, though it might be difficult at times, a pretty tolerable thing to do for, for a week. But there's one more thing that Joshua instructs the people to do. And that's found in, in verse 10. In verse 10, Joshua commanded the people... You shall not shout or make your voice heard. Neither shall any word go out of your mouth until the day I tell you to shout. Then you shall shout. So these people were just told by Joshua, they were given an additional command uh, that they were to be silent. That for these six days they were to say, Nothing. And then, of course, on the seventh day, once it was time to shout, that's when you were to open your mouth again. But they were told to, to be silent. Um, basically, you're going to say nothing for a week. Uh, and, and I'll be honest, out of the two options that we have, either walking around uh, a place for 24 minutes uh, or not talking for a whole week, that sounds like the harder option for me, is not being able to talk for an entire week. Um, I like to talk. And so that sounds very difficult. But that's what they were told to do, and that's what these people were commanded to do. Um, they were told to be silent for seven days until the seventh day and to follow these strange commands that, that they were given. Last weekend, uh, we had the, the teens and uh, Many of our college group and, uh, and several of our adults and chaperones went with us and we went to uh, our annual Connect Retreat. And uh, I'll go ahead and tell you that we, did not, we were not silent for, uh, for that time. We did not stop talking. But one of the things that we did during this weekend is we chose to not have our phones in our possession. Um, we actually put them in a box 
And other than about 30 minutes each day, if we needed to make contact with our parents or check up on a few things, other than that, we did not have our phones on us. And um, during that time, we did not have to listen to the world. And I don't know if you're ever really given the opportunity to be in a situation like that. Because in the place that we live, the way that we live today, we are always connected to something of this world. And having that opportunity for roughly 55 hours, uh, a little over two days, to just put those things away and not be connected to anything that was outside of that group of people and just be focused on each other and our God and our relationships with our God made a world of difference. Because that time was filled with the presence of God. There was a completely new silence that I was not used to. That silence being a silencing of the world. Of all those outside influences where we were able to just be together and focus and put our minds on the things above. You see, if we are never silent, then we can't hear God speak. If we choose to be in situations where there is noise all around us and where we are doing everything we can to be a part of that noise, we will not be able to hear what our God wants for us, what our God is trying to tell us, what God is trying to do in our lives as an individual. I want to real quick look at uh, Exodus chapter 14. I feel like I always go to this particular uh, passage all the time, but I feel like there's so much we can learn uh, from this particular chapter. In Exodus chapter 14, Moses is leading the people out of Egypt, and they come to the Red Sea, and this is, of course, uh, when they turn around and they see all the people coming after them, all the Egyptians coming to get them, and immediately they, they are doubtful and they question what God is doing for them. And they're all just yelling and they're complaining and they're crying out and saying, why have you brought us here? Why, why do you want us to die here instead of back in Egypt? where you know, we were slaves, but maybe we could have at least lived a longer life. And they're just all just making all this noise. And Moses says to them, beginning in verse 13, Moses said to the people, Fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord, which He will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you, and you have only to be silent. Of course, after this, we see one of the greatest wonders one could ever witness, the parting of the Red Sea. Immediately after these people are just adding into this noise, Moses tells them, look, if really there's one thing you need to do, it's just to stop complaining. It's to stop trying to figure out things on your own and just let God lead you where he's planning on taking us. He brought us this far. You really think this is where we're going to die? And they witness 
the parting of the Red Sea and they make it across okay. And of course, the Egyptians, they don't make it. The Israelites are okay. You see, in this, all these people are doubting because they're trying to make noise. And instead, all they need to do is to be silent. You see, God is living and active and He is present in our lives. But sometimes the only noise that we hear is ourselves. And sometimes we really need to step back and just stop what we're doing and listen. And just as the people of Israel learned both in Exodus and also in Joshua and also as we learn today, we need this silence in our lives where we step back and we stop and we listen to our God. We see that in Joshua... Uh, this one, of course, in comparison to Exodus, the people of Israel react a little bit differently. Uh, in fact, they, they, they do things a lot better. Uh, we see that Israel, uh, as they are following Joshua, they spend their days in silence. And sure, maybe in their heads they're, they're questioning things and they're wondering, and at the same time they are witnessing what God was planning to do with their lives. They were, they were watching slowly as all of this started to, to make sense before them uh, after these days of silence. And regardless, showing their faith, we see all of that continue. Uh, as these people continue to, uh, to show the faith that they had in their God, we see what happens after this. Beginning in verse 12 of Joshua chapter 6. Then Joshua rose early in the morning and the priest took up the ark of the Lord and the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark of the Lord walked on and they blew the trumpets continually. And the armed men were walking before them and the rear guard was walking after the ark of the Lord while the trumpets blew continually. And the second day they marched around the city once and returned into the camp. So they did for six days. And so here we see that they are, they are following through with this plan. They're doing exactly as Joshua instructed them to do, which of course came from the Lord. And so every day they are making it a point to, to walk around. And not only that, but they are continuing to stay silent. And right in the middle of this army, I want to kind of pay attention to a particular verse right in the middle of this passage. Right in the, uh, in the middle of the army, we see the Ark of the Covenant. And you see, the Ark was the visible symbol of the Lord's presence. See, it was a recognition that this conquest, that this battle, which of course was not a typical battle at all, uh, but this particular thing that was taking place was the Lord's doing. And so in these men choosing to be silent, it allowed the focus to be put on the Lord. And as they carried that ark around, it showed that city, as they were watching these people walk around their city and probably a little bit confused, uh, they were watching and seeing this ark and understanding not just who these people were, but who their God was. That ark was the visible symbol of the Lord's presence. See, the Israelites were silent so that the Lord 
could speak. He was speaking through what was being done around Jericho. So then we get to the end of kind of what's taking place here. Uh, Beginning in verse 15, uh, we're going to read verse 15 and 16, and then we're going to jump ahead to verse 20. Uh, It says, On the seventh day they rose early at the dawn of day and marched around the city in the same manner seven times. It was only on that day that they marched around the city seven times. And the seventh time, when the priest had blown the trumpets, Joshua said to the people, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city. And on to verse 20. So the people shouted and the trumpets were blown. As soon as the people heard the sound of the trumpet, the people shouted a great shout and the wall fell down flat so that the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they captured the city. See, this was, in fact, a battle. But it wasn't a typical battle. It wasn't one where they said, all right, you're going to, you're going to fight. You're going to, uh, there's going to be all of these uh, strategies that you need to put into play. Instead, it was the Lord saying, you need to do this. And I know it sounds strange, but I need you to walk around every day. And after you do this, the seventh day, you're going to do something. You're going to do a little bit more. You're going to shout and something is going to happen. The walls are going to fall. And that's exactly what happened. And at the same time, we see that Israel, regardless of how strange that might have sounded to them, they did it. They followed exactly what the Lord told them to do. And not only that, but they did it in silence. And we learn later on that that these people end up being listed with the faithful. Uh, If you know what I'm talking about, in in Hebrews chapter 11, there is an entire chapter where we see all of these people that are listed and the things that they do by faith. All of the things that they are noted for because of their faithfulness, because they chose to put their God first and to do these things regardless of how crazy they might sound. And these people right here, the Israelites, as they march around Jericho, they are listed with all of these notable, faithful people. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 30, it says, By faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. See, these people had faith in what their God was going to do. They stayed silent, and in doing so, they allowed their God to speak. And through that, the Lord did something awesome with them. I want to kind of shift gears a little bit, and I want to look at this passage that, uh, that we read earlier this morning in Isaiah chapter 53. Uh, again, beginning in verse 7, it reads, He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter... And like a sheep that before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. And as for his generation, who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living, stricken for the the transgression of my people. This passage we find in Isaiah. And another man that we read about in the Bible also found the same passage. And we read about him in Acts chapter 8. 
He was an Ethiopian man that was trying to understand what he was reading. And if you look through the passage in Acts chapter 8, we see this man is having trouble understanding it, and he receives help from Philip. And Philip comes to him, and and they read through this again, and, and Philip explains exactly what this passage is talking about. You see, in Isaiah, we learn, and the Ethiopian man also learned, that there is prophecy of the life of Jesus. And we learn about this man in, we learn about Jesus in this passage. A man who was afflicted, and a man who was oppressed, and a man who was condemned to death, and whipped, and beaten, and spat upon, and crucified. And all of this happened without any blame or guilt or sin that could be placed on him. And as he's going and he's being led to his death, to a death that he did not deserve, we read here in this passage that he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb led to the slaughter, he chose to be silent. And when Jesus chose to do that, Our God, His Father, spoke. And He was able to speak louder than ever before. Of course, looking through the life of Jesus, Jesus spoke many things and He told us so many things that that we can take from and we can learn from and we can grow from. And He had every reason to say these things because He had a wisdom beyond our understanding. But when it was time for Him to fulfill His purpose, the purpose that was given by His Father, no matter how awful this was going to be, Jesus chose to be silent. Instead of ending things right then and there and saying, you know what, these people don't deserve my silence. And speaking and allowing angels to come down to the earth and him go up and not have to deal with any of this, he instead opened not his mouth. He chose to be silent and he died. And he died for every single one of us. You see, this world is loud. Uh, And we live right in the middle of this world of noise. There is going to continue to be noise all around us. This noise of the world, these things that, that the world is telling you is important. These things that you need to make sure that you are a part of. These things that you need to make sure that you do in order to fit into the world. The things that you need to make sure you post uh, online to make sure people know who you are and what you're doing and what your life is all about. We live in this world that is all about noise. And a lot of times it just seems like it's billions of people just fighting for attention. They're fighting for this fame or status or power or money, possessions or perfection. And in this world of noise, we just have to do what we can to be the loudest. 
And we get so wrapped up in our own noise and making sure that we're matching up with the noise of the world that we forget about silence. We forget that in the silence, that is when our God can be present. I want to end by asking you two questions. Are we trying to compete with the noise around us? As you look at your life and the things that that you hold close to you, the things that you find important, do they match up with the noise of this world? Do you feel like you are just doing everything you can to, to make sure that you're as loud as all those people around you, to make sure that you are achieving the things in your life that you really want? Are we just trying to compete with the noise around us? Or are we silent and listening for the voice of our God? Are we doing what we can to look at all this noise around us and just stop and step back and say, I know that there's so much going on around me, but Lord, I'm going to stop and listen to you. I'm going to do the things that you want me to do. I'm going to follow the path that you have set before me. As you think about you, as you think about yourself and your relationship with God, are you spending enough time away from the world and with Him? I really want you to think about that. Are you spending enough time outside of the world, away from the things of the world, and focused on your relationship with your God? Are you spending enough time in His Word, in the Bible? Are you spending enough time away from it all, away from all this noise in the world, and choosing to be silent and to listen to your God speak? I'm very thankful for the opportunity we had this past weekend to, to get away from the world. And I'll be honest, I know it's not that easy. I know it's not a simple choice of just saying, well, I'm just going to get rid of my phone and everything will be fine. Because we're, we're so connected with things and, and it's important for you to be able to use those things. But at the same time, we allow that to take over. We allow that to produce more noise in our lives. We allow so many things outside, uh, out in the world to make noise. And we never have silence. Maybe you're here this morning and you feel like you haven't heard silence in a long time. And you really more than anything just know that you need to step away from the world and listen to your God. And hear after so long what He is trying to tell you. Or maybe you haven't yet decided to follow your God and you understand the importance of of choosing Jesus and choosing to live a life for Him and and following Him and, and being baptized and being a part of His church and His people and then making the decision to allow Him to be the voice throughout all of this noise. Whatever it might be, whether it be for prayers or encouragement, whatever you need, we ask that you come forward now as we stand and as